0: It's a new day! Yes, it is!
1: The Back Row Morning Show. The
0: Back Row Baptist Podcast.
1: The Morning Side Hug. The
0: Back Row with Matt and Mo. He's Matt, I'm Mo. (laughs)
1: We're just like, hey, we got microphones.
2: You're tuned in to The Back Row Rewind. The best of Matt and Mo.
1: Welcome to The Back Row Rewind, where we take a deep dive into the archives of The Back Row with Matt and Mo. And today we're taking you to an episode about The documentary, American Gospel, Christ Alone. Takes a hard look at the prosperity gospel, and uh, it's quite interesting. But before we get into any of that, we're going to be talking about uh, trail mix? Trail mix. Yeah. Okay. Why not? It all started with a dream. I've been my whole life for this. <laughs> i got some things to say. I'm still
0: slowly dying, but <laughs> hey, we all are. <laughs>
1: Good morning, Back Row Radio. I'm Matt. And I'm Mo. And you're streaming the Morning Side Hug.
0: Completely loving, socially awkward, and decidedly Christian.
1: We are a Back Row Morning Show exclusively on BackRowRadio.com.
0: On today's show, we review American gospel, Christ alone.
1: Plus, the latest news, random facts, and more. But first, today is the last day of August, the 31st. My gosh. And we have a holiday to celebrate. <laughs> Reality check, Mo. I know, right? September's tomorrow.
0: <laughs> Great. <laughs> (laughs) Uh, It's National Trail Mix Day. We eat it without thinking about it, but Trail Mix keeps us happy throughout the day. Every year on August 31st, National Trail Mix Day honors this healthy snack created for noshing on hikes in the great outdoors. (laughs) (laughs) What makes Trail Mix so special? Not only is it nutritious, A nutritious combination. I tried to. What went wrong there? I tried to flip it. Anyway, not only is it a nutritious combination of granola, nuts, dried fruit, and sometimes chocolate, but it's also lightweight, easy to store, and provides a quick energy boost and sustained energy. So. What are you waiting for? Grab a handful and let's celebrate.
1: So we talked about uh, Blockbuster. We talked about going and renting movies mm-hmm. and stuff. I remember when I was a teenager, uh, I would go rent from Hollywood Video here. Mm-hmm. And my go-to like movie night snack thing would be to get a big bag of the Planters basic trail mix with uh-huh. the, the raisins, the almonds, the cashews, and the uh, M&Ms, yep. and a liter bottle of Code Red Mountain Dew, and that would be my thing Every, every weekend. I would have that. But that trail mix is fantastic. Yeah. But it's got to have salt. Yeah. There's a couple brands out there that don't put salt in it, and it ruins it salt on raisins in that mix is fantastic. That that pops as well. Yeah. But you need it for the nuts as, and, and, and the saltiness with the sweet of the chocolate mm-hmm. also. Those are key elements. And when yeah. you take the salt out, you're eating bird food, it feels like. It just doesn't taste anywhere near what it should taste. Yeah. It's probably not as healthy for you. But no one... I mean, who's really eating it on hikes? I, I mean... If you're eating something on hike, you're going to eat straight granola or something. You're not going to really have a good, uh, chocolatey-infused trail mix, right? Meh. I don't see it.
0: See, when the boys were little, and we were overseas, and so we did a whole lot of outdoor stuff Mm -hmm. while we were in Europe, a lot. Um, And so when the boys were really little, I would take... It, honestly, it was their favorite snack. When the goldfish got to the bottom of the bucket, the pretzels got to the bottom mm. of the bucket. When everything was down to the the bottom,
1: you do a mix of those. Yeah. I would just
0: mix it all together and do like a homemade trail mix, and I would put coconut. Um, shavings in there, like uh, shredded coconut, there we go, Uh, shredded coconut and then either semi-sweet chocolate or whatever, just whatever I had up in the baking cabinet, I'd take whatever snacks, even gummies, take whatever (laughs) snacks were down to the bottom and just mix it in a big bowl, shake it up and then put it in Ziploc bags and wherever we were going for the day, whatever our adventure was, that was their snack.
1: It's pretty smart. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll give you that. Thanks. That's a pretty smart idea right there. Thanks. <laughs> uh, all right. So we got a bit of old news here, but I'd like to discuss it.
0: Oh, man.
1: Uh, we're back to masks. We talked about masks last Tuesday, <gasps> uh, but not about the Mark of the Beast. That's not Why? what this is. Thank Why?
0: Why?
1: Okay. <laughs> so I don't know if you heard the story or not, but some Wisconsin state officials aren't fooling around when it comes to the spread of COVID-19. In an email to employees sent out on July 31st, the head of Wisconsin. Department of Natural Resources not only reminded employees uh, of the governor's mask order going into effect at the beginning of this month, August, but he also said that every employee must wear their mask while on teleconference in their own homes. Why? Let me explain. What is his reasoning? Says, also wear your mask even if you are home to participate in a virtual meeting that involves being seen, such as on Zoom or another video conferencing platform, by non-DNR staff. Preston Cole said, according to the Milwaukee Journal Journal Sentinel, set the safety example which shows you, as a DNR public service employee, care about the safety and health of others. It says, the order said the face coverings are required to be worn whenever a person is in an enclosed space other than a private residence. That is what the governor's thing said. But a private residence is where most of these people are teleconferencing from. And yet they are being told, we're setting an example. You're setting an example of doing something that's not being mandated us to do, wear a mask at home. Who's wearing a mask in their house? No one nobody. You already exposed everybody in your house.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're not <laughs> why would you wear a mask in your house? Unless like someone was coming over and you're both gonna wear a mask. Me. But it says the the thing said, By wearing a mask while video conferencing with the general public, we visually remind folks that masking is an important part of navigating the business of natural resources during this tumultuous time. Uh. We ask staff where when on externally facing calls is is that taken out of context, a screenshot of a staff person or high-ranking department official, if not properly attributed, could be misinterpreted to suggest that the state employees are not properly following the directive. So essentially, the main reason is not to set an example, Mm -hmm. but it's to protect them from any kind of scandal. Make sure you're wearing your mask, even though most of you are going to be at home and most people should understand that you're at home because that's what all these Zoom calls are. Nobody wears their dang mask when they're on the Zoom call. Wear it, so nobody takes it out of context mm-hmm. and starts griping at us. Why are you
0: surprised? Which tells
1: us about the world that we live in. Why are you surprised? After what happened with Sunday Cool yeah. two weeks ago, Yeah, people jump to dang conclusions too soon. So now at this point, reading that point, I'm not so mad at the company that, they're, that they are worried about this and said, okay, let's just cover our butts and everybody wear your masks so we don't get flack.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, don't, I understand the fear because that's the world we live in. We live in a, a world of being canceled for anything that goes against the public good. Mm-hmm. The public, well, the idea of public good, anyway, mm-hmm. anything that goes against the the overarching idea of what should be done.
0: Eulitaria, U- what is that? U- le- the ultimate good. You, uh, forget it.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the term is, but it's it's a it's a scary scary thing.
0: Eulitarianism. Is that it? I think. <laughs> It still doesn't sound right.
1: But, but I mean, it's it's the it's the social pressure. And it's all really coming from social media. Honestly, if Twitter were to shut down, it would be better for the whole world. If yeah. I know I mean, sure, all social media, but specifically Twitter, cuz right. that's where all of these big cancel culture pushes for no matter what the cause come from is Twitter. It's always the rally of a hashtag. And can on I just tell
0: you that I'm really tired of getting emails from Twitter saying, Go see what's happening on your Twitter. I haven't logged into Twitter in over a year.
1: <laughs> the only reason I'm still on it is because we have such a big account with Backrow Radio. Yeah. So many followers there that I don't want to just say, Eh, never mind, and walk away from them. I tried. But it's oh it's a rough go. It's a rough go. But you can't log into Twitter and have fun anymore. No. And that's why it's become a hunt down the people who disagree with the the majority of us on here. And what's funny is like when he gets to like political stuff, both sides think the other side dominate Twitter.
0: Oh yeah. Well, that's how it is <laughs> with all social media. Yeah. And it kills me. Yeah. It kills me.
1: Like I see nothing but liberal propaganda uh-huh. when I'm on there. Nothing but and yet they claim it is full of fascist Nazis, like far right wackos. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't ever see them.
0: Where, where are these <laughs> Where people are they? At? Yeah. <laughs> I'm with
1: you. But but also it's the cancel culture idea of anything that might be offensive or taken out of context. Who cares about, you know, reality or truth or even time? If it's not living up to my standard today. Let's cancel everything. Yeah. And that's really what this boils down to. This would be a company who are like, oh, here's one screenshot. Look, their employee isn't wearing a mask. Well, they don't take this seriously. They don't believe in COVID-19. They think it's a conspiracy. They are aligned with Trump. They probably wear MAGA hats when we're not looking instead of masks. Cancel them. That's the line. That's the, the spiral that happens. hmm <laughs>
0: Yep, exactly.
1: All because one thing is taken out of context. And that kind of stuff seems ridiculous the way I just said it now. But that happens every dang day.
0: Every day. (laughs) Every day. Multiple times a day. (sighs)
1: So while it's silly, I get it. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a break right here. And when we come back, we're going to be diving into the documentary... American Gospel, Christ Alone. Stick around. You're
2: listening to the Back Row Rewind, the best of Matt and Mo.
1: This week in Nerd History, Harry Potter and the Elder Wand. Nerd. This was almost the title of the last book of the Harry Potter series before J.K. Rowling instead chose the name Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, which released in the U.S., U.K., and Canada on July 21st, 2007. Deathly Hallows shattered sales records upon release, surpassing marks set by previous titles of the Harry Potter series. It holds the Guinness World Record for most novels sold within 24 hours of release, with 8.3 million sold in the U.S. and 2.65 million in the U.K., Rowling completed the book while staying at the Balmoral Hotel in Edinburgh in January of 2007, and left a signed statement on a marble bust of Hermes in her room which read J.K. Rowling finished writing Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows in this room, 552, on 11 January 2007. Of course, people couldn't wait to get their hands on the book, even if that meant breaking the law to read it, just a couple of days before its release. Several online leaks, including one that was actually a set of 759 photographs of each Each page of the book leaked online and spread through peer-to-peer and torrent sites. Scholastic also admitted that roughly 1,200 copies had been shipped out early to online purchasers, which of course meant that some of these copies ended up on eBay, being sold at a 1,300% markup, all because people couldn't wait literally less than a week to buy their own copy legally. But that's what you get with the final book of a massively popular series that is still fueling imaginations today. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more Nerd History.
2: You're listening to the Back Row Rewind, the best of Matt and Mo.
1: Welcome back to the Back Row Rewind, where we're taking you into a deep dive of a classic episode that's talking about American... Gospel, Christ alone—the documentary that, uh, well, kind of took the Christian world by storm. If you haven't seen it yet, well, you can get our thoughts here. We go. Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug. Back from Morning Show here on Backhoe radiocom I'm Matt, and I'm Mel. Let's kick off this portion of our show with five random facts.
0: More than fifty percent of sloth deaths occur on their once-a-week trip to poop. <laughs> Poor sloth. That's
1: a bad way to go out.
0: It is a bad way to go out. (laughs) Uh, It's estimated that humans can have up to 150 social relationships, but only five close friends. I...
1: Absolutely believe that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's about on par with my life. N-
0: me too. <laughs> uh, most closed door buttons in U.S. elevators don't actually work because they're not allowed to. By law, elevator doors must be open long enough to ensure that people with disabilities have enough time to get inside. I knew this.
1: Yes, it had to be true. <laughs> yes. I've I've stayed there were there were times most times actually that I stay in a hotel more than like one night. Yeah. I do experiments. Yeah. Anytime I get into the elevator, I count how many seconds it takes for me walking in to how long it closes the door without hitting the button, and then do it with hitting the button, and it's always the same. Yeah. It's always exactly the same. And I thought, the door button does nothing. The door button does nothing.
0: Nope, it's just there for you.
1: You to feel good, right? It's really about having just, control. Yeah, it's really that. It's a dopamine rush to make you happy. Yeah, feel like you have any semblance of control in your life. Yep, everything else in your life might be going wrong and spiraling out of your control, but at least you can close the elevator door when you want.
0: You know, and it also makes you realize that the just the action of doing something makes time pass a lot faster than yeah. just standing still. <laughs> you know, because you genuinely feel as though it's a shorter amount of time. Mm-hmm. But it's because you have done something. You've had
1: an action, and that's taken up a second or two of that time. Yeah. Um, it's uh, (laughs) So it's silly, because you see it in like TV show and movies, where someone's trying to close the elevator door before somebody gets Mm -hmm. to them, and they're banging on the button, and it's doing nothing. It does nothing. Absolutely nothing. It does nothing.
0: So my husband is a, he says he's a jack of all trades and a master of none, and he's just an ongoing... Run of various facts, and so he has been telling us myself and the kids this fact for years, yeah. For years. Yep. Uh, before becoming a famous comedian, Steve Harvey was homeless for three years. He slept in his 1976 Ford when gigs didn't provide a hotel and bathed at gas stations and swimming pool showers. Today, Steve Harvey is worth an estimated $180 million.
1: And genuinely one of the most likable TV personalities, in my opinion. Oh,
0: yeah. Hands I down. cannot.
1: I cannot watch Steve Harvey for more than five minutes without cracking a smile or laughing pure out loud. Yeah. No matter what venue it is, what show of the million shows he's been involved with. Yeah. Even back to the Steve Harvey show, that sitcom. Do you remember that?
0: I do. I didn't really watch it. Oh,
1: I watched it. I watched the whole thing. That was such a fun event. I wonder if it's streaming anywhere. I don't know. Oh, I need to find it. (laughs)
0: Uh, And lastly, Twitter was not just a catchy name chosen at random. Jack Dorsey found Twitter in a dictionary defined as a short burst of inconsexual. Nope. nope,
2: nope.
1: (laughs) Not inconsexual at all. Inconsequential.
0: Oh. (laughs) Well, that does, the QU does make that sound. Inconsequential. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I see yeah, it you now. Got it. You got it. <laughs> inconsequential information <laughs> and thought it was perfect.
1: And if that doesn't just highlight what we were talking about in our last segment, oh it's my gosh. inconsequential. None of that should be that serious. And it's all serious now. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> so, speaking of serious, uh, there's a documentary that's been out for a while. It mm-hmm. came out in, I think, 2018.
0: Did it? I'm pretty sure. I feel really behind the times now. But
1: I think it's only come to Netflix recently, Okay. like in the last few months. And so more people are discovering it because it's on Netflix now. But it's called American Gospel, Christ Alone. There is a sequel that came out last year as well. We'll touch on that briefly, but mainly we want to focus on this first one. The American Gospel, Christ Alone, that first movie, was highly focused on debunking... um, Prosperity gospel, word of faith, move it, name it and claim it, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took several prominent pastors and leaders in ministry, to put them all together to discuss these, um, these methods of belief, you know, whatever you... There you go, these, yeah. these, these, these These weird beliefs that we have mostly coming out of America and trying to do their best to show you why... They're not biblical, they're not accurate, and you're likely being misled by people who are knowingly doing that. Yeah, uh, And they name names. And they show clips. They, they, they get into it. They get deep. It's a really well-done documentary. Putting aside the fact that most of the people leading it are Calvinists, it's not really heavily Calvinist either, on the opposite end, even though you know it's, it's one of the solas, Christ alone, that they're talking about. But still, that's, it's, the, the solas are basically true, depending on just how you apply them. So, let's leave that aside. Leave the Calvinist stuff out of it. Just focus on what they really did, what the point of the video was. This wasn't my idea. This was Mo's idea, because she actually saw it before me, and she immediately text messaged me and said, we have to talk about this on the show. Yes. So here we are. Okay. And we're doing it. So. I'm gonna kick it to you first.
0: No, <laughs> you you it watched it. You watched it more recent.
1: Only it's like been, a, only like two weeks after you told me to.
0: It's been like a month since I've watched it, and okay. it's not fresh on my well, mind. I have notes. Like it is. Okay, good. See, I, I was notes. I was planning on you having notes and me <laughs> being able to like remember. Things from your notes.
1: Okay. We'll do that then. (laughs) So Christ Alone, what it was really focusing on was the distinguishing between what what defines your faith and how you get blessed by God and how you go to heaven and how the prosperity gospel and the things of that ilk are works-based salvation, Mm -hmm. even though they don't present themselves as such. Yeah. Christ alone is simply saying that Christ alone is what saves you and what brings you to heaven. It is not a workspace thing. You don't have to give to get kind of deal. And so the, the movie started out, the documentary started out with the goal of defining what God is, defining what love is, and defining that or, and pointing out that salvation is not about morality. It's about grace. And they leaned heavily into, uh, I think it's Matt Chandler, who first really prominently came out with the idea of, you are not the hero in the Bible.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: main one is like, you are not David in the story right. of David and Goliath. You are the scared Israelites. Jesus is David. Right. Which is, uh, I'd say, the, the probably the, the top tier interpretation. But there are other interpretations. Well, yeah, surely you are David sometimes, because clearly in the story, David said that he could conquer the giant because he had God in his corner. Right. You know, that can be applied in different ways you tell it. But using the main allegory, uh, yes, Jesus is really, it's telling the story of Jesus, Mm -hmm. which is what all the Bible does, Um, which I like that. And, And he did point out that we do tend to put ourselves in the hero motion because we are the main character of our story so we always want to be the own, the hero. Mm-hmm. And so when we look in the Bible we tend to put ourselves in the shoes of the people who are doing the right thing, mm-hmm. doing the godly thing. And we use that. And, you know, it's a it's it's I don't I wouldn't say that's a a bad thing per se. We do that because that's what we want to be. We don't normally see that as that's definitely who I am. Like I'm totally David. Yeah, I, I totally always rely on God. I never doubt him and I conquer all my giants. No, that's what we want to be. Which is the right way to look at it because, yes, we want to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. So if David is Jesus, then, yes, we want to be David in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
0: But an argument to the works-based movement, theres it's a fine line. That you have to tread, yeah. Because when you constantly see yourself as the hero in the Bible stories, then that's where you are earning your salvation. Right. It's by all of those works that you are doing, all of the the her- heroic deeds, yeah. That you know you're tallying up, and you're like, "Yep, I've got another hash mark and another hash mark, and I'm <laughs> I'm good. I'm earning my salvation." Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, and that's, uh, that's, that's exactly what they set out to dissuade you from here. Uh, one of the lines that they listed in this was, the prosperity gospel was like marrying someone for their money. Yes. It's the idea that if, if, if you're going to devote yourself to God, then the only reason... That's ever really laid forth for you to give money or to give time, mostly money, is so God will bless you back. Mm -hmm. It's a give and take. Mm -hmm. And they use biblical ideas of, you know, sowing a seed and all these kind of things to trick you into thinking it's a biblical mandate Mm -hmm. of you must give. And it's always sow a seed usually. That's typically the term. Sow a thousand dollar seed and watch as God opens the floodgates Mm -hmm. with blessings for you.
0: Give and it will be given unto you. (laughs) Press down, shaken together and running over. It will be given.
1: Um, It's like it's like scammers who who call your mom, you know and we kind of talked about scammers the other day you know it's it 's all a a fear tactic really yeah. it 's a tactic of if you don 't get blessed it 's because you 're not giving enough it 's yes. because you 're not believing enough it 's because you 're not Christian enough, and maybe that 's enough to keep you out of heaven it 's mm-hmm. a fear tactic, and so you 're not seen as faithful if you don 't give
2: mm-hmm.
1: one of the <sighs> the things that draws people to this, and it has been the problem that I mainly have with Joel Osteen, and I know we've talked about Joel Osteen a lot mm-hmm. in the in the course of these shows, is that you get drawn in by things that sound really good, even things that can be very biblical. Mm-hmm. You get drawn into these things, but it's all in a very positive mindset. It makes you feel good. It gives you a warm and fuzzy. You believe in yourself. You have all these good feelings. Mm-hmm. And then they slide the money thing in mm-hmm. and it's seen as a, and all you have to do is open your checkbook. Mm-hmm. You're buying blessings is what it comes down to, but it tricks you into believing it. It's just like the thing you're, you're overwhelmed. Like In this case, it's you're overwhelmed with good. You're overwhelmed with positive stuff. You're overwhelmed with things that you want, and so you believe it. You trust him. Mm-hmm. With the scamming call, is like you were overwhelmed with fear and information, and so you trusted it. Mm-hmm. You get overwhelmed, and you get endeared to this person who is now kind of your hero. Right. They become a key figure in your life, and so you're going to trust them. Yeah. I don't always think Joel Osteen himself has negative moments. I honestly believe he might really believe what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But there are quite a few prominent prosperity gospel teachers who I 100% believe are complete scam artists. Yeah. Um, And so it comes down to the question. To finalize that question is: Who is this gospel about? Is the prosperity gospel about you, or is it about God? Mm -hmm. Because in all this, it's not about reverence for God, no matter what. It's about reverence for God, so He can bless Bless you. you. Yeah. Um. One of the people who I I totally think is a, a scammer who has just been doing this for money for his entire life because he's very charismatic, is Kenneth Copeland.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and oh, he said he said in, a, in an interview with somebody, or not an interview, but in a, like a co-video with someone else, I don't remember the guy's name, the guy with the long hair, the dreadlocks,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Todd White, is that his name?
0: Yes. Something like that.
1: They were doing some sort of thing together, and they were talking about how the Bible says you lay up your treasures in heaven.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Copeland said, but he never said we can't draw out of that, you know, draw, take, you know, what is it, what's the banking term?
0: Uh, take deposit, a, withdrawal.
1: Withdrawal, yeah. Take a withdrawal out of that yeah. here on earth. So you can have your Bentley. You can have your fancy home. You can have your compound with your private jets and your private airport, Mr. Kenneth Copeland, because you're just drawing out from your bank account up in heaven.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: What a pile of lies. I want to say so many more vulgar words, but what a pile of lies (laughs) that is. And so disingenuous and such an underhanded way to, number one, dismiss any argument against you and your extremely lavish lifestyle. Yeah. And also to trick you into thinking you could have this too. Yeah. You got all that money up there. You just need to come and claim some of it. Mm-hmm. And the way you withdraw that is by giving me a thousand dollars. You know, that's it's it's yeah scams. And it, it is turning people away from the true gospel. Because eventually, the longer you go on, especially if you're really devoted and you really give and give and give and give, and your life just isn't turning around the way they promised it would, mm-hmm. you either, number one, realize that it's a scam. You've been scammed all along, and you think all religion is a scam, and you just walk away totally. Or number two, you think, I am such a terrible Christian. Yeah. I will never have enough faith. Yeah. And so you fall away that way. Mm-hmm. But in either case, eventually, you fall away.
0: Yeah. It's very true. And for me, I after watching Christ Alone, I immediately texted Matt and said, we need to talk about this because for me, and I've talked about my past previously on the show, but I grew up. Um, they definitely wouldn't say that they are prosperity gospel, name it <laughs> and claim it. But um, But the church that I grew up in was very much leaned that way. I can remember one of, um, every June, we would have a month-long revival, Mm -hmm. okay? And one of the speakers came, I was probably 10, um, one of the speakers came and she was talking about how her granddaughter, um, remember, I was 10, so, you know only certain parts of the story hit me. I got you. (laughs) But her granddaughter had seen a friend of hers wearing a dress that she really liked, that she really wanted that dress. Mm. And so she told her granddaughter to talk to God about it, that God already knew that she wanted that dress, to talk to God about it and to see if he provides. And that if she had enough faith and that if she believed enough, that that dress would be hers. And within a couple weeks' time, her granddaughter had that dress because her faith was big enough. And at 10 years old, being a girl myself, I can remember thinking, really? That's all I have to do? That's it. God already knows. So I just need to talk to him about it and tell him that that's what I want, and I'll get it. And there's... This is the problem with word of faith movement. They take truth, they take biblical truths and intertwine it to make it fit with their word of faith, to make it fit with their lifestyle. Yeah. To where it's kind of like it's it's kind of like icing on a cake, but the inside of that cake is not actually cake. Right you know you are presented with this piece of cake that looks amazing that looks like everything it's supposed to be the top layer of it is exactly what you were expecting but that inner portion is garbage <laughs> and that that to me is just that is word of faith movement yeah. at its core
1: um they have they have the idea of Blessings and obedience backwards. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the other points they made is that what Word of Faith teaches is that you uh, you obey their call, which they say is give us money. Mm-hmm. You obey what the Bible says is you give, you give, you give, you give, and then you have faith and believe on that and then God will bless you. Mm-hmm. And that is not what the Bible lays out in that order. It's the opposite. God has blessed you with the salvation. God will continue to bless and provide for you in ways that he sees fit. And therefore, you should be obedient. Mm-hmm. It's because of the blessings, because of the grace that God gives you, that you should be willing and wanting to be faithful to God. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always mean just give money to a televangelist, or I, I would say, it, I would I would contend it never means that, but but it does mean be faithful with your money. It does mean support your local church, support uh, other ministries. It does mean get involved yourself mm-hmm. and give back in ways that you are able to and in ways that God prepares you for. And it's because of the blessing that you be obedient, not the other way around, because the other way around is really just a game of... You know, how much can I earn? How good can I be? Mm -hmm. And that's clearly a workspace thing. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And it leads down a really dark path. For a long time, I struggled with my own salvation because I knew that I was a sinner. Every single day, I woke up and sinned every day and could not understand when, why, if I was being so obedient and I was, I was taking my prayers and my requests to the Lord and I was in church every single day of the week and I, you know, I was doing everything that I possibly could within my own means to earn my salvation. Then why every day am I waking up still sinning?
1: Absolutely. Um, And, and also you'll have those people who, like we talked about, do this faithfully and they don't get the blessings that they think they're going to get, mm-hmm. because ultimately, what this is doing is is they're they're dictating what God will do for you. They say if you give enough, if you if you uh, have enough faith and you give enough money to this ministry, then God will give you all your desires. Mm-hmm. God God has a plan for your life, and it's always good.
0: He knows the desires of your heart, right. and He wants to meet them.
1: Right. When when the Bible says God has a plan for you, it doesn't always mean that it's like a to live in the lap of luxury.
0: Mm-hmm, it's not in fact, a it rarely plan.
1: rarely means that. Yeah, the wonderful plan God had for Stephen's life was to be stoned to death for the glory of God, mm-hmm. and the glory of God did grow. He was the first martyr, and we saw that with martyrdom came more followers, not less. Mm-hmm. And that has been a consistent thing. Look at China. They are killed all the time. China is the fastest growing Christian country.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Fastest. They are being locked down. They are being uh, ransacked. They are being run out of the country. They are being killed. And yet, Christianity is growing in China faster than anywhere else on the planet and has been for over a decade.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because God's glory is revealed through these moments. Mm -hmm. And if all you are thinking about is your happiness and what God can do for you to make you happier, you've got it backwards. I remember uh, several years ago, I was walking through a Target and I saw a book by Joel Osteen standing on a stand and it said, The Power of I Am. And I said, okay, I am. That's what God says his name is. I am. Mm -hmm. And I looked at that and I said, I, I turned to Deidre and I said, I bet you a hundred dollars that the I am on that book cover is not God. Mm -hmm. And we opened it up and it is true. It's you.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It's the statement I am this, mm-hmm. I am this. And it's talking about you. It's talking about speaking things into existence, blessings into existence for yourself. Mm-hmm. There's nothing outward about it and there's definitely nothing focused on God about it. It's about you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this idea of you being a little God. Mm-hmm. And this was a big thing that... Um, I'm not sure if it was Copeland or if it was Duplantis to one of them that talks about "You're a little God." No, it was Benny Hinn. I'm Benny sorry. Hinn. Benny Hinn. Yeah. You're a little God. You're a small G God. Hmm. And it's taking the idea that God is, you know, within all of us, that Jesus lives in our hearts. Taking all these kind of truths and the things that we take a grand from, you know, take from the Bible, and then translating it into, well, not only are you like family with God, not only are you like one with God. You're God yourself. Right. You are God. You have the power of God. Not you have God's power within you. Mm -hmm. You have the power of God. You are God yourself here on this earth. Mm -hmm. Somebody, uh, I don't remember which one it was, but somebody got into their uh, idea uh, that it was said, it was revealed to them that Jesus was really, only just a man. Anybody could have been Jesus if they had enough faith mm-hmm. and were sinless enough. You could have been Jesus. Mm-hmm. That was and that was a said. And said I said to him, surely you don't mean that that I could have been Jesus. And said, no, you definitely could. That's exactly what I'm saying. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, that is not the case. But it's this. Um, it's this idea that we can speak things into existence. And then that, that's where we come in with the name it and claim it. And this sneaks into every, every denomination. Mm-hmm. The name it and claim it idea. Mm-hmm. Name something that you want, claim it. That term claim it I see on Facebook every day from people that I know and love yeah. and really want to, want them to be, you know, stronger mm-hmm. in the faith and continue to grow, but then I see them say things like, claim it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, gosh, that's not how it works. It's never been how it works. Yeah. Uh, but what do I, you know, I don't want to get into a full-blown, yeah. you know, uh, Bible study right there, because it's just going to, you do that online, and it just entrenches people in their own already preconceived notions. but. It's, 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 it's a really common thread of you can just speak something and, and believe on it, claim it, and God will give it to you. Mm -hmm. And God might, if that's a part of his plan for you. Right. But if it's not, you ain't going to get it. Yeah. Doesn't matter how much faith you have in that claiming, God will only give you things that he determined for you, unless you're just abandoning God's track. And at that point, you still might get what you want, but it wasn't God that gave it to you; it was someone who wanted you to think he was God.
0: Absolutely. <sighs> I'm. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take a breath.
1: Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'll get hot. I'll get real hot on this stuff.
0: But it's like you said. There it. Uh... It's one of those things that just kind of slowly creeps its way in without us even realizing it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And because they put that icing on there and it sounds good and it tickles our ears, you know, yeah, we tend to perk up and listen. And it's really easy because it's tickling our ears, because it's hearing, we're hearing what we want to hear. It's really easy to lean towards that mentality, yeah. that belief.
1: So this is a form of Gnosticism. It's, a, it's a, a form of looking at scripture with the idea of your happiness, health, and wealth. Thinking that that is what God's plan is for you. It was Kenneth Copeland, by the way, that said he could have been Jesus. God told him he could have been Jesus. Uh, they use things from the Bible. There was a situation in the Bible, a story in the Bible, where David was hunting Saul to kill him. Mm-hmm. Saul had betrayed him. David was going to kill him. David came across him in a cave taking a poop. And David thought to himself, I could just kill him right now. Mm. But then he didn't. And, you know, when questioned about it, he came to the conclusion, you know, God put him as leadership. He said, So I'm not going to touch God's anointed. And that's kind of the idea where we get, you know, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to uh, respect our leadership, Mm -hmm. we're supposed to respect politicians and all that, we're supposed to pray for them, even if we disagree with them, because nobody would be in power like that if God didn't place them there, whether or not they were actually believers, that kind of idea, Mm -hmm. which, you know, it, it seems biblically accurate, but they use that and they put it on themselves see, the way that's always been presented in Scripture and someone else is that I am choosing not to cause harm or to pray against or whatever these people. Not, don't touch me, I'm God's anointed. Yeah. But that's how they put it. Anytime they are questioned about what they're doing, anytime that they are... are Shown direct hypocrisy from something they've said years previous to what they're saying now or shown evidence of how they're misusing funds or anything else. I mean, I keep thinking about Jim Baker who yes. went to freaking jail. Yeah. Prison mm-hmm. for grifting his people through this ministry and he is still doing it. Mm-hmm. And there are still so many people falling for him. Mm hmm. Like, how much more evidence do you need that this man is a scam artist? It was verified and proven, and he is back doing the exact same stuff, and people are still grafting onto it. It becomes like a brainwashing situation. Mm-hmm. Like, how devoted can you get to somebody? But anyway, what I was saying is that they have this touch not God's anointed uh, quote that they use. It's like, God put us here, obviously, so you can't question us. And that's never what that means. Whenever I've called out Joe Lowstein or other people, Kenneth Copeland, uh, or I think most recent Jesse Duplantis, I call them out online every now and then. Because we have Jesse Duplantis. He comes to a church in our town. Mm-hmm. A lot, a church that really flirts heavily with prosperity gospel, but is not all the way there and doesn't call themselves that. So there are a lot of prominent people in our town and a lot of people that I respect who go to this church. Mm -hmm. But it's just it inks its way in there little by little. But every year they bring Jesse Duplantis out and every time they do, I post something somewhere that says, please do not go see Jesse Duplantis. And I explain why. And I get people who get so angry at me. You can't know his heart. You can't know if he's genuine or not. You can't say that he's not a true believer. Mm-hmm. You cannot say, yes, you can. And the Bible lays out how. Yeah. You will know they are Christians by the fruits of the spirit. That is what comes from being a believer. Mm -hmm. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. All of that is stuff that you need to see. And all of that is stuff that you cannot attribute to these people. You will see specific things that come out of being a believer. Really, no matter how long you've been one. Like, we see this all the time with Celebrate Recovery. When people genuinely come to Christ or genuinely step into that, those start to become a, a, a byproduct of who you are mm-hmm. and the decision that you've made. Like, sure, you need to work on it and being better, but it comes so much more easily. Mm-hmm. You see changes so much quicker, especially with like the joy, especially with the being more willing to forgive and being, you know, faithful, trustworthy, you know, these kind of things. Those start to come. Trustworthiness is one of the bigger ones there. Can you really trust someone who claims that they need your money for ministry? but spends that money on the most expensive private jet on the planet. Well, but that's
0: so that he doesn't have to ride with demons.
1: (laughs) I mean, even that, there are are much cheaper private jets. (laughs) Much cheaper private jets without like gold line table settings and all kinds. I mean, just if you really, uh, because A case can be made for a private jet, for someone who literally travels all around the world day in, day out. Sure, I can accept that. A case can be made. A case cannot be made that you need to have the most luxurious private jet by millions of dollars, millions and millions and millions of dollars more in order to do that. Mm -hmm. The idea that Jesse Duplantis would say that if Jesus was around today, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. He'd be flying in a private jet. Made me want to vomit all over my computer. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry for the visual, Mm -hmm. but it's true. I cannot believe that people trust these people. I just can't.
0: It can't is it. it is hard. It is a hard pill to swallow. But even I, even I on this radio show and on our podcast have said you can't know their heart. Even I have said that. And it has taken a long time for me to really be able to come to grips with I can't know a person's heart. I absolutely can't. I can't judge them the way that the Lord can judge them, and I'm glad. I'm thankful for that. But I can call out a fallacy where there's a fallacy. I can call out an unbiblical truth where there is an unbiblical truth. And it is incredibly heartbreaking and hard for me to do that because of my childhood, because of my past. I even had a conversation with my mom while we were camping where you know much of what i grew up believing she still believes she still leans toward prosperity gospel name it and claim it and so having to sit down and have a conversation with her and pointing out you know job pointing out paul pointing out different people in the bible who completely go against the name it and claim it prosperity gospel word of faith movement.
1: Almost every single disciple was murdered. I've, Do you understand that?
0: But here's the thing. Can I, I, I really just want to say people thinking back over my childhood and I was with, I was in this church for over a decade. Yeah. So thinking back over my childhood and trying to pinpoint the biblical stories that I heard as a kid, I it, I was never taught about Job. I was never taught about Paul, and I think that's why they are two of my favorite.
1: Mm, yeah,
0: to really focus in on now as an adult, you know. Mm-hmm. But I was we didn't really hear about them because they would completely contradict everything that's being preached from the pulpit on Sunday morning. Yeah, we heard about Jonah because Jonah was disobedient and Jonah didn't believe. And when you're disobedient and you don't believe and you don't have enough faith, then bad things happen.
1: (laughs) I bet they didn't talk about the end of Jonah, though, where he was still miserable.
0: (laughs) The, The most that I remember is that Jonah got spit back out when he realized that he was wrong. You know? And at that point, it's like, okay, he repented. He turned away. He did what he was supposed to. And he was blessed for it. Yeah. Okay.
1: And really, the whole idea was he was blessed before that. The blessing was getting swallowed by the whale. That wasn't the punishment. And it that, was that opportunity to realize God's in control and I'm going to give you a second chance.
0: And that's where the disconnect is. The disconnect <laughs> is that we, by salvation alone, is our blessing. hmm an eternity in hell is what we deserve.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's truly the only thing that we as humans deserve. But our salvation is our blessing, yeah. and anything else that comes or goes, it's just a part of it.
2: Yeah,
0: it's just a piece of the puzzle. But the ultimate picture is our salvation, and that's where the disconnect is. It there's too much weight put on. Earthly blessings and what we look like to the rest of the people in our church—you know, keeping up with the Joneses mm-hmm. and and having this and having that—and then how do you use your blessing? Are you using your blessing to further the kingdom, or are you using your blessing? Are you sitting on top of it? <laughs> you know, are you just holding it in?
1: Are you Scrooge McDuck diving into your your uh, vault of coins and swimming around? Yeah. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. The discussion has just begun. we got a lot more to talk about over American gospel, Christ alone. Stick around.
2: You're listening to the Back Row Rewind, the best of Matt and Mo.
0: Set it aside. Imagine this, I've just given you $20 and said you're in charge of figuring out dinner tonight. It has to be homemade and it has to feed the entire family. You find a recipe that sounds good, make a trip to the grocery store for all the necessities, bring it home and put it all away until it's actually time to prepare the meal. In the meantime, a member of the family was feeling the effects of hanger and made a mad dash to the pantry for a quick snack. Their quick snack, however, was an ingredient you just purchased for your meal, a crucial piece of the puzzle that cannot be substituted without a noticeable change in the outcome. Let chaos ensue. What if I told you you are that crucial ingredient, that you are handpicked and chosen for a specific reason to you? Jeremiah chapter one, verse five says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. How comforting to know we were created with a purpose. No mistakes were made, no alterations needed, but more importantly than that, he set us apart, pulled us aside, and placed us where we would be safe until our time for purpose had come. If you had only set your ingredients for tonight's meal aside and separate from the rest of the food, our dinner may not have come with as much stress and frustration. Those ingredients would be safe, not mistaken for something they're not. Remember your purpose. Even when we aren't fully sure of what's to come, don't forget you've been set apart by the creator of all things for a purpose specific to you.
2: to the back row rewind the best of Matt and Mo
1: welcome back to the back row rewind as we finish up our discussion on the documentary now available on Netflix called American Gospel Christ Alone let's finish it up Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug, Back Row Morning Show here on BackRowRadio.com. I'm Matt. And I'm Mo. And we're gonna pick up our discussion from our last segment. We're talking about American Gospel: Christ Alone, that, the first documentary of the two, and uh, you know, we're we're talking about the the whole issue of of sowing seeds, being obedient to get a blessing versus mm-hmm. God giving the blessing and therefore we should be obedient. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the big dichotomy between the true gospel and the prosperity gospel. American gospel. Yeah, the American <laughs> gospel. And uh, we've, we've seen after that movie came out, Benny Hinn, who's been doing this for 40 years, I don't know, a long, long time, longer than I've been alive. Yeah. Came out and publicly Denounced the Word of Faith movement, denounced the prosperity gospel, said that he'd be repenting from that, turning away from it. Cut to today, he's still asking for $1,000 seeds, still on TV, still wearing the finest suits every time he's up on stage. Todd White, after the most recent. Uh, Documentary. the second one came out, came out and said, if I've ever espoused a prosperity gospel, I repent of that. That is not of my heart. And now he's backtracking and still doing that same thing, which tells me those two instances are telling me that they will literally say anything they need to to get you to jump in with them, mm-hmm. which hurts because we know that Christians want to be forgiving and they want to give people a chance. I want want to give Benny Hinn a chance and I really I remember when he said that I posted a whole thing. I posted please don't be so quick to say he doesn't mean it. Let's give him a chance and he had the chance and he blew it.
0: Here's the thing and I don't know if it's truly a I don't I don't know that I can equate it to being a word of faith movement Characteristic. I, I don't. All that I can do is speak from my own personal experience and from what I know. Um, but repentance is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Having a repentive heart, absolutely. In in a word of faith church, is a huge thing. Huge thing because if you don't repent, if you are not honest about your sins, then you cannot be blessed. Turning away from those sins is not a big thing. Speaking it, saying it, saying this is where I struggle. This is my sin. This is where I do wrong. That's what's required. Yeah. That's what's harped on. Yeah. But they miss the next portion, which is turning away. Right. And that's something that I have to have conversation with family members about on a regular basis. Yes, you can say that that's your sin and you can admit it. But you're missing the point. The next step is to turn away and walk away from it.
1: Now do something about it. Hand it to God. Do something.
0: And so that, for me, I can't help but think that's the motive behind speaking it out, saying it. That's the motive behind their repentive. It is a quote unquote repentive heart. Yeah. It's what they know is a repentive heart. Yeah. But... It's not turning away from their sin.
1: And they know that believers do want to be forgiving and do want to celebrate repentance. Mm -hmm. One of the things we learn in CR is that, you know, we really want to push across the method that if you admit that you're struggling with something, even if it's something new, even if you've been coming to CR for years and you realize, I'm still dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Or if you've relapsed, but you're still sticking around here, it's okay to admit all those things. In fact, that's what we're celebrating. Mm-hmm. We're celebrating the fact that you realize you have a problem and you're here to do something about it, to surrender it to God, to fix your your. Uh, your um, habits, hurts, and hangups the way only God can. Mm-hmm. That's worth celebrating. And the Christians have that inner desire to see everybody do that. Mm-hmm. And we also all once believed that we would be shamed out of the doors if we ever did that. Right. And we found that once we finally were able to admit to those struggles, we had far more people standing with us than against us. Right. But that can also be Completely manipulated. Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe that's what's happened here. Mm-hmm. They want to manipulate those who were wavering into thinking, oh, they're repenting of that. We mm-hmm. can trust them now. Mm-hmm. When if it was going to be true repentance, they should have stopped the show.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely.
1: You've done it for so many years and you already have so much money. If you really, truly repent, either stop the show or send the checks back.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: And to just continue doing what you've been doing, thinking that that little Band-Aid covers it up and that you're good now, is the height of insulting to people who follow you. Mm-hmm. The, T- Todd White put out a movie, his own documentary in 2014, called Holy Ghost, where he went around and did leg lengthening leg Mm -hmm. lengthening, Mm -hmm. which is a trick Mm -hmm. that has been used by soothsayers and traveling medicine show salesmen and circus acts and magicians and everything for as long as we've kept records. It's a trick of manipulating someone's like legs and shoes and feet into making it appear that they're actually straightening their legs. Mm -hmm. They trick you into thinking, you have like back pain or something? Yeah. Well, look, here, it's because one of your legs is a tiny bit shorter than the other. Do you see that? Oh, yeah, I never noticed that. Here, I'm going to fix that for you. Well, God's going to fix it right now. You Twist the shoe, just ever so slightly, move really slowly so it's Mm -hmm. imperceptible, and make it look like, oh, well, look, now your legs are the same size. Mm -hmm. He put this out there as genuine, mm-hmm. as him proving that he can work miracles, mm-hmm. when it's, it's I mean, it might not be common knowledge, but it's common enough knowledge that people know this is a trick. Mm-hmm. It's a scam. Not only Christians have, or, well, Christians, quote, unquote, not only religious uh, people have used this as a scam in the past. It's a scam, has been for a long, long time. He put out a whole documentary about it, and a lot of people fell for it. Look at the miracles he can perform. hmm The, it's... <sighs> I'm so exhausted just mentally thinking all this. There's so much, there's so many aspects of it. There's the idea that Jesus wasn't born to be God on earth, which was that same idea that came out of Kenneth Cop- Copeland's thing. Of, mm-hmm. oh, I could have been Jesus. Right. It's like, Jesus was just an ordinary guy. He just happened to live a sinless life. And that's... <laughs>
0: To me, there's nothing more, um, mm. I, heartbreaking yeah. than to, than to think that that is, that is being taught because just as I said earlier, I struggled so much in my younger life with whether or not I was saved with my own salvation, Yeah, because I could not attain that perfect sinless life. I couldn't get it.
1: It is heartbreaking.
0: And to know that there are people who are struggling in that same way, mm-hmm. it was a good 10 years until I realized the goal is not to live a perfect, sinless life. The goal is to trust Jesus. The goal is to trust God. The goal is to give it all up to Him and walk every single day reflecting Him the best that I possibly can. Right. And understanding that I'm going to be a sinner. I am a sinner.
1: not accepting that about yourself understanding but at least it understanding Yeah.
0: understanding it because when you understand that, then you can live out faith better right
1: the uh, what it, it boils down to is prosperity gospel is a, is essentially saying the more faith that you have, the more blessing that you'll get mm-hmm. And that is not reflective in the Bible at all. In fact, one of the most famous Bible verses about faith is Jesus saying you have the faith as small as a mustard seed and you can say to this mountain, move, and it will move. Mm -hmm. God doesn't tell you to have a lot of faith. God tells you to have any faith. And that will be enough for me. Mm -hmm. You believe, let him do the rest. You believe and you be obedient because of the gift that he's given you. You don't be obedient so he will give you more. That's not how it works. Like mm-hmm. we said, the disciples were all murdered. The disciples, we should we could dare say, had the most faith of anybody because they didn't even have to have blind faith on whether or not Jesus existed. Mm-hmm. They got to live with the man, teach with him, even perform miracles in his name under his tutelage. They had the most faith, I think, possible. But the more faith they had, the quicker they died. Because that was their path Mm -hmm. that God set them on. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, in those deaths, brought so many more to Christ and brought Mm -hmm. so much more glory to God. That should be the goal. Not our comfort, not our health, wealth, and happiness. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this before, too. It's not always God's plan to heal you. Prosperity Gospels like to say that it's never God's plan for you to be sick. And that's not always true. There are people that have had faith, even in the Bible, that have faith. I think uh, Melchizedek, I think, is one of the guys named. God could have healed him. He had so much faith but they never healed him. But he did bless him by letting him sit at the king's table for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. Why didn't he heal him? Maybe that disability was what was... Tethering him to his faith in God. Maybe that disability and the ability to overcome it with the faith of God is what would inspire other people who have disabilities or struggles. God uses everything in our life that we hand over to Him for His good. And sometimes that also becomes a blessing for us. Sometimes our struggle becomes a blessing and an inspiration for others. Mm -hmm. And that should be. A legacy that we want. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You think you go up to heaven right now and ask Stephen, ask the disciples that were martyred. Don't you wish you could go back and just God could let you get out of that? You would absolutely hear a resounding, oh, no way. Didn't you see what God got to do with that throughout the rest of freaking time? Why on earth would I be selfish enough to say, ah, I wish I didn't have to do that? Yeah. God, geez. Uh. <laughs> that is what legacy is. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember what the Bible verse is off the top of my head, but that verse, one of my, one of my, my favorite things to talk about on CR, where it says, uh, the God who began a good work in you will continue on doing that good work until mm-hmm. the day that Jesus Christ until returns. A completion. It's yep. not, it doesn't say until the day you die. God puts a good work within you, and he will continue to use that and grow that Long past your death. That is the legacy that God gives you. You surrender your life to him. He will use that life to send a ripple throughout time to inspire others to come to him Mm -hmm. through your story. That is the thing that we should be begging for. I would even give money for that (laughs) above. I'm going to give money so I can get more money. Yeah, I would love a fleet of Bentleys. So I do have one thing, and I'll let you wrap up on that section after this too. But the one thing I do want to say is about Joel Osteen. We had that conversation about Joel Osteen on the show a while back, and you did give me a lot to think about. And I have, I've read a few of the things that Joel Osteen has written. I have watched a, a lot of things that Joel Osteen, I've done, uh, seen a lot of his interviews. I lean towards believing he earnestly believes what he's saying. I lean towards believing that he is genuine in what he's saying as he thinks this is true. And I think that he grew up in that mindset, probably in that same culture that you did. I don't really know his life, but it feels like he grew up being taught this and he went all in with it. Mm -hmm. And then he happened to grow his own ministry that seemed to work the same way he was taught it should. I fully believe that he thinks he's living what the prosperity gospel is and that he thinks that everyone that he's teaching can have that same life. Because I don't see the same snake oil garbage coming from him as I do all the others. Now, it's very possible I'm wrong. It's very possible he's just the best at it. <laughs> it's very possible he is the best-looking wolf in sheep's clothing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But I don't like any more, because, really, since you made me think about it. I don't like coming outright and condemning Joel Osteen as being purposefully evil. <laughs> I think he might be misguided. I think he could do... uh, Because he does a lot of good. Mm -hmm. His ministry really does go out and do a lot of good. Mm -hmm. He spends... He doesn't take a salary from the church either. And none of the money that comes into the church goes to him. He currently only... And for for a decade or more, only lives on his book sales, Mm -hmm. which is a lot. And so uh, I feel like... If you were truly in that prosperity gospel mindset, you'd be taking all the money you could get your hands on. Yeah. But he gives a lot of that away. And his church does a lot of good in the Houston community. They have a lot of stuff they give out. I don't know. I feel like they're doing a handful of things right, which leads me to believe his heart might be at least a little bit more genuine than your Jesse Duplantis or your Kenneth Copeland Mm -hmm. or your Creflo Dollar. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh so, I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. I'm not saying what he's doing overall is right or good or should be celebrated. I'm just saying I'm, I, I have backtracked my willingness to just come right out and say he's purposefully evil or anything of that nature. And that's mainly because of you. Oh, well, so what If do you, you know? disagree with what I'm saying, blame Mo. That's what I'm saying, everybody. It's <laughs> Mo's fault.
0: I have to tell you, and I think... <laughs> Honestly, I am so, so grateful for the church that I grew up in. I am. And I've said this multiple times. Do I agree with everything that's being taught? No, I don't. But I am so grateful for the foundation that I have, that I gained through going to that church. So much of my servant heart was grown in that church, mainly because I had to earn... My salvation. <laughs> but as an adult now, I can, I can rationalize that and God I can, can still
1: use that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, but I also have such a hard time and th- you know, this is where I stand with, with any prosperity gospel preacher, anybody who, you know, gets a bad name or a bad reputation for f- the life that they are choosing to live for God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I have such a hard time condemning anyone, right, because of the childhood that I had, the church that I grew up in, I realize it is very easy that any of those people that I grew up with, any of the teachings that I fell under, they could very easily fall into that same category as yeah. the people that are constantly getting condemned, and it would break my heart to see their name come across a screen or on television or or in an American gospel, but I also think that that's. Largely because my heart is broken for those people. Oh, yeah. And the only way that their heart is ever going to change is through love. And if that's the only thing that I can do, this side of eternity is to genuinely be loving to them. I can love somebody without agreeing with everything that they say. Sure. I can love somebody without supporting their ministry. I can love somebody and say, you know what you're saying isn't truth isn't completely right. Let's have a conversation about this. Yeah, You know, and to me, that is the ultimate act of love, is by saying, I want to have a really difficult conversation with you because what you're doing isn't isn't completely accurate.
1: Right. Or a more plausible thing, because I mean, we're never going to sit down with Joel Osteen. We're sure. never going to sit down with Kenneth Copeland. Sure. But there are a lot of people who will jump to defend them because they have leapt into mm-hmm. that belief or they've read their book and it really helped them or inspired them at some point. And those are the people that say you can't know their heart or whatever and you, you know, or jump to the thing of this is not how you're supposed to confront somebody and we're really leaning in more of a condemning a false gospel thing which is something you are supposed to do in public but mm-hmm. those are the people really that we do have the opportunity of let me explain to you why. Yeah. Why I believe what I believe about this.
0: And let's just talk. Yeah. Let's just have an open and honest conversation with each other.
1: And now you have this resource, American Gospel, Christ Alone. Yeah. Show them that. Show them why. Yeah. <laughs> they Those pastors lay it out much better than we can. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Without getting frustrated.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure that they did have moments of frustration, but you know, the editing was so nice. Sure, and... <laughs> it was very
1: clean. It was very well made, very well oh, produced.
0: I, I loved it. I loved it. And, of course, Jackie Hill Perry, which is one of my all-time favorites she was in. Yeah, so.
1: and you talked about that with her book, and I finally realized who you, who she was yeah. when I watched that. I'm like, oh, I know her. Yeah, Yeah, really cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there was a second movie, and I watched we, Well, we both watched the entirety of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But uh, it wasn't as grabby to you, because no. it didn't have a personal tie, which I understand. didn't really have a personal tie to me, either, and it wasn't as grabby to me, either. But also, it was Three hours long. It was the length of Endgame with only one superhero in the whole thing. And
0: I felt like the Gilligan theme song could have fit in (laughs) right there. Uh,
1: A three-hour tour through Y presuppositional uh, exposition (laughs) (laughs) Uh, alongside Paul Washer, (laughs) who's very depressing sometimes. Yes. Uh, (laughs) But this was attacking another aspect of our American version of gospel. And this was the gaining idea lately of Jesus didn't send or I'm sorry, God didn't send Jesus to die for our sins. Like it wasn't a in place of our sins that he was killed because of who he was, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't to pay the price for us because they think that that's evil. They think that why would God send his son to die? Right. And so, I mean, they make a, if if this is something you want to dig into, the movie's a good choice because it really dives deep and that's why it's three hours long. Mm -hmm. It dives deep into every conceivable aspect of this. But there are two things that I pulled out uh, of what makes sense about this is, number one, It's not like Jesus was an unwilling participant or just some random schlub. Mm -hmm. Jesus was God. This wasn't God's plan to, hey, Jesus, I'm going to send you down there and kill you. Mm -hmm. It was we as one, but three in one. We have made this decision of this is how it's going to work. And so Jesus came and lived as man and God on earth. But the other thing that really stuck out to me is something I never heard before, and I think... Makes complete sense was the balance between love and justice. hmm God is love, God is also justice.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: both are one hundred percent. He's not fifty percent love, fifty percent justice, he's one hundred percent love, one hundred percent justice, justice is the love mm-hmm. in many ways. Mm-hmm. And the idea was, the one big question that comes up with this thing of why Jesus would send a son to die for us is, why couldn't he just forgive everybody? He says, in the Bible, it calls us to just forgive people who sin against us. Why couldn't God have done the same thing? And then it was explained like this is the reason why. Forgiveness here on earth is not just letting it go. Mm Mm-hmm. Justice is always carried out. And the explanation is this. In the Old Testament, it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It was, you hurt me, I hurt you in the same manner. You get punished for what you did to me. Mm -hmm. Jesus came and said, you heard that being said, but now I tell you we're changing it up. If someone slaps your right cheek, turn your other cheek to them. Mm -hmm. If someone steals your cloak, also give them your shirt. If you notice, that back and forth, the eye for an eye is still there, but instead of one person causing the harm and then getting that harm back on them, you get someone causes harm against you, and then you are accepting their punishment. Mm -hmm. You slap me on one cheek, slap the other one, and I forgive you. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I take your punishment. Mm -hmm. You steal my cloak... I'll give you my shirt as well, instead of stealing yours. I take the punishment. You pluck out my eye. You can hit the other one too. I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Knock out my tooth. Knock out another one. I forgive you. It's I'm taking the punishment. It's saying no longer seek after justice for yourself, but instead forgive them so that they might understand love and forgiveness, mm-hmm. which is exactly what God and Jesus did for us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: said, so you sinned against me, I should administer justice. I should send you to death. To death, to hell. I should make you pay for your own sin. But instead, I'm going to come forgive you. I'm going to come turn the other cheek. Take your punishment for you. Take that justice upon myself so that you can feel forgiveness, grace, salvation. Mm -hmm. That justice is always there. When we forgive someone for hurting us, what we're doing is giving up our right to carry out our revenge. And instead sucking up that pain ourselves Mm -hmm. and taking it upon ourselves. It's not always, you know, eye for an eye kind of thing, but you know, sometimes it's really hard to forgive someone, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know that that's the same grace that Jesus gave you. Mm -hmm. And so even if it hurts you a little bit, even if you don't get the justice you require, you'll take on that punishment yourself to absolve them because it's the right thing to do. So it's not just, well, forgive them, let it go. It's all about who's taking the justice, Mm -hmm. who's getting served the justice. And Jesus said, take it yourself Mm -hmm. and give them the grace Mm -hmm. so that they might see the glory of the Father. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It is. And it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I've never thought of it. Never seen that. Even reading the scripture with, if they slap you on one cheek, it doesn't say if they slap you on one cheek, just forgive them for it. It says turn the other cheek.
0: Yeah. you let been, them slap it. It's been <laughs> so hard to rationalize the, well, what about eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but slap one cheek, turn yeah. the other. How does it that-
1: wasn't a, It wasn't a change in in how justice is uh, given out. It was a change of who's going to accept it. Exactly. And it's only the person who has the right to administer that justice mm-hmm. that gets to make the choice to accept it on themselves instead and mm-hmm. forgive the person that hurt him. Yeah, which is a gosh, it's it's such a brilliant parallel, mm-hmm. and I can't believe I never saw it before. Yeah, <laughs> but it makes so much sense. So I really look into that, guys. But seriously, this movie—oh, that's not even the. Tippy top of the iceberg for that movie. A whole lot more, far more than we can really get into. Uh, But it's a really good movie, too. So go see both of these. They are both on Amazon Prime for sure for uh, like rental. I think it's Mm -hmm. like four bucks. Yeah. Was the second one on Netflix? No. Okay, so the the first first one's on Netflix. Second one's on Amazon Prime to be rented. Of course, you can buy the DVDs, I think, from them. Uh, Again, just a caveat most of the. People that are doing this are like Calvinist pastors, mm-hmm. so it leans a little into Calvinism, but not so much that you can't get past it and still see a lot of the biblical truth on the inside. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, okay. I, I I think they did a really good job of not making it Calvinism heavy. Oh yeah. So it would be inaccessible to those who don't ascribe to full-on Calvinism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, really good movies. Really makes you think. I'm really glad that you forced me to watch them. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because, it, you know, it, it's, you need to be like, we get these ideas and we, we get in, entrenched in our, our beliefs about something, but then we kind of forget about why.
0: Yeah. Why do I believe this? Right. And why? I
1: remember when we had our conversation about Joel Osteen way back when, I remember having a hard time really explaining what the issue was. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really formulate. I knew, I knew why I had a problem with it, with prosperity gospel, but I couldn't really explain to you exactly what the problem was. But it really was just as simple of, does the blessing come first or does the obedience come first?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What does God lay that map out for in the Bible? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's they do a really good job. They Mm -hmm. make it simple enough for you to understand and yet still grow and make you think about things you've probably never thought about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, you need to go do your own research, too. I'm not saying take any of this at face value. But uh, I think you'll see, more often than not, scripture does indeed line up with most of the stuff that's been said mm-hmm. in these movies.
0: Well and here's a here's a little thing, a little caveat to it. You can take it as you will, but there's even a portion and I loved I loved Christ alone. I loved it. But there's a portion at the end where they kind of come at a certain pastor who most of the world tends to think he falls into the prosperity gospel. However we Know oh that he yes, doesn't.
1: yeah. They they kind of just once, just, just one really quick. Thing, they towards the in. end,
0: they sneak Rick Warren Rick in there, Warren. And, and gosh,
1: not even close.
0: Yeah, and so th- this is just the perfect example of you cannot take everything that someone says. For one hundred percent truth. Yeah. Ninety nine point nine percent of that movie was spot on. Yeah. Until I saw that and it was like, Oh, but you're
1: misinformed. Right. Like you think about Saddleback Church. This is what got me. When we first went to Saddleback Church for the first um, the first summit,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they do have a campus. They do have some, you know, nice buildings or whatever, but they're not ornate. Yeah. They're very simple. They're very economic. Mm-hmm. They have sanctuary, extra sanctuaries for like different languages to be translated as the sermons are going. They're like those cheap pop-up tent things that Their they huts. turn into buildings. They're, they're economic. They use all the money really well. They do not buy stadiums. They do not like have everything ornate and gold and marble and whatever. Pretty much everything that they build, everything that they use, everything that they do at this church is with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Nothing is built just to be rich looking. Yeah. And it doesn't come across that way at all to me. Everything I see has a purpose. And Rick Warren himself does not live a lavish lifestyle. Yeah. His car is a I think 84 truck that he's had since long before the church became as big as it is.
0: Yeah.
1: Like the most you can say is he's put some of his salary into keeping that car running. Yeah. <laughs> he it's doesn't true. wear fancy suits. He does everything that he can to bless as many people as he can in that church. Most of their money is given away to one ministry or another. Like, it's, it's not even close to the same thing. That is, I feel like Rick Warren's church is exactly how a prosperous church should function, and how a prosperous pastor should live Mm -hmm. below his means. The church spends below their means.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And that's also why I say Joel Austin can't be 100% evil, because they do give a a heck ton of that money to real good causes and ministries. Mm -hmm. Um, But Rick Warren, I think, perfect example of someone doing it right, who's been given those blessings, Mm -hmm. because he knows that it's not about being faithful to earn it. It's about being obedient and God blesses it mm-hmm. that way because he's been blessed, he yeah. he is obedient and so God trusts him with more. Yeah, That's what that Bible story is about. You, <laughs> you get blessed, you be obedient with it, then you get blessed with more. Not you be obedient, do what we say, give us money, then you'll be blessed while the streams come true.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: You're absolutely right. And luckily, I don't think Rick Warren was in the second movie at all. No. Which is good.
0: No. Yeah. Because
1: he doesn't deserve to be.
0: Right. But at the same time, truly chew over it, watch it, get a feel for it, let it sink in, and then let let God move in your heart
1: through it. The show is coming to a close for today.
0: But first, I want to share with you something that I love. And I really feel like I, I may have shared this. I don't know. I'm not sure. But talking about American Gospel had me remember Bible Project. Mm. And I love, love the Bible Project. In both American Gospel, um, both videos, both movies, there were certain times where they kind of did a bit of a Bible project feel where they draw the words and then everything that they're saying is drawn out and illustrated beautifully. So for someone who is, um, you know, I, I learn by seeing for someone who is like-minded in that way, Bible project is just so perfectly well done when it comes to different books of the Bible, different characteristics of God, different um, characteristics that we should have as Christians. When you can do different word studies through Bible Project and they just lay it, illustrate it all out beautifully Hmm. in front of you. It's not just them talking to you and explaining different things to you, but they actually illustrate it. And it just makes all the points connect
1: Perfectly Cool, cool, cool.
0: For me as a visual learner. <laughs>
1: I think we all are, yeah, a little bit.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. All right, well, let's close out the show with a Bible verse for today, Luke 12, 15. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, covetousness, Covetous. that's how you say it, right? Covetousness, covetousness. Yeah. yeah. For one, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions.
0: Don't ask me how to say words, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and that's going to do it for the back row rewind for this week thank you so much for tuning in we hope you enjoy this look back in time and uh you know what we're going to do this again we're going to do it again next thursday so make sure you've got it tuned in right here on ltn radio LTNonair.com, or the ltn specials podcast feed where you'll also find ltn rewind bible thump and more Matt and Mo will be back with brand new episodes next week. We hope you'll be there, too. And uh, if nobody else tells you, we promise it's true. Jesus loves you, nerds.
2: Thank you for joining us for Back Row Rewind, the best of Antics, tune in every Monday through Wednesday for the Back Row Morning Show at 8 a.m. and again at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, only on LTN Radio.